I believe you are the way, the truth, and life, Lord God. Jesus, thank you for giving your life. Abba, Father, thank you for sacrificing your only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. We are so grateful this morning. We love you, Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We thank you. We love you. We cannot express enough our praise and our worship and our love for you. We are so grateful. We are so privileged. We are so honored that you love us that much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise right now. God, we love you. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise, saints. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Whew. He's the way. Can you say that? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Now take that all week, wherever you go. You are Jesus. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And since you're the way, the truth, and life, no matter what I face this week, you are still the way, the truth, and life, and I can follow you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads me and guides me and gives me direction and comforts me and disciplines me. We are so blessed with such an awesome Godhead. Isn't it great? I can't. I just can't stand it. It's so Amen. good. <laughs> well, if you are visiting here today, I hope that you picked up a gift bag at the entrances. And if you did not, please pick one up. We just want to give you a little blessing. And uh, we, I heard the TLC men had a great time Thursday night. Right, Dennis? Didn't they have a good time? Yeah. That was wonderful. Uh, I hear y'all got really blessed. Well, in the TLC women, uh, the men gathered in the music room and the women gathered here in the sanctuary. And we also had a wonderful time. We uh, got to discuss out of the word of God how we were limiting God. And that was excellent. You women, tell you what, we got great men. We got great women here who love God, who love the word of God, and who are learning, growing, and becoming like Jesus. Isn't that our goal? Amen. To be like Jesus. <laughs> yes, that's our goal. So Sunday Bible class this morning, um, Gino Maini, that was wonderful. Yeah, amen. He, he went into Revelation and talked about Revelation 4 and 5 and how they worshiped around the throne forever and guess what we will be joining them if you have come to god by believing on jesus as your lord and savior we will join them around the throne for eternity singing holy 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 (laughs) we got to sing an old hymn (laughs) it was wonderful thank you and next sunday this is a a treat it's going to be different Tristan. Hey, can I tell I, you guys something really please great? Please do. The best teacher in our house, at my house where I live, is going to be teaching Sunday school next week. So look forward to it. Spring is going to be bringing the word of God. And she's been teaching for over 20 years. You guys don't know that. Um, she taught in industry for a while. And she's been homeschooled teaching our daughters for 14 years. So she's the best teacher in the house. Look forward to it. So 
your wife, Spring, will be teaching Sunday Bible School next Sunday. And I uh, just want to put on your calendar Thursday, um, May 26th, that's his, this Thursday, right, Linda? Linda um, Roberts will again continue in her series on We Need to Be Healthy Christians. What? I mean, Enoch prayer. Forget that. Forget what I said. That's next month for TLC Women. Thank you. <laughs> so you're doing too much, Linda. <laughs> I think no, you're doing too much. <laughs> I, you're probably right about that. No, but um, so Enoch prayer. Thank you, everybody, for correcting me at 6 o'clock. And we need more prayer. Amen. Now, I know you don't want to come out on Thursday night at 6 o'clock, but the Lord wants you to give guilt, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> so come on out and pray, led by Linda Roberts. And now, how many Heather tithes and offerings ready? Because that's what we're going to do right now. God loves a cheerful giver. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so that your barns or your house or your car or your TV, how many TVs you have in your house? So we want to bless God and thank him because he's filled us with plenty, overflowing, and we give you all praise, glory, and honor. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. Good to have you here today. I see, uh, I see that this morning as uh, many of the teachings were going on and many of the exhortations, it was a lot about what we're going to be talking about today. Salt and light. It's in Matthew 5. It's going to be... Uh, Verse 13 through 16. Now, I'll tell you this. <clears throat> My doctor has told me to use less salt. And it's amazing because Jesus is telling us he wants us to be the, the salt of the earth. See, I got high blood pressure, and salt helps you keep and retain water and makes your blood pressure higher. But I grew up in a southern home with Southern hospitality, with a Southern mother and father who loved to cook, and four kids at the house who loved to eat. Now, I don't know about you, but we had salt for everything, and everything tasted better with salt. Pork chops, I'm not talking about baked either. I'm talking about fried. Hamburgers. Oh, man. How about steaks? How about white rice? You're not supposed to have that either. And that tastes better with salt. Our family was a potato family. We lived next to the Johnsons who had Johnson Brothers Farms, and they grew cabbage and potatoes. And I did chores in their yard to get bags of potatoes and cabbage. And they tasted good with salt on them. Yeah. 
salt and light. My brother cooks collard greens like you would never even believe. And they taste better with salt on them. The list goes on and on and on. How about red hot French fries? They're so hot you can't touch them, you don't dare bite them. But you can put salt on them. Just let them cool down a little bit. Yeah. Oh, man. So why would Jesus, to tell us to be the salt of the earth, if salt isn't good for you? He also called us the light of the world. We've been singing about this morning. We've been teaching about it this morning. been exhorting about it this morning. It, it seems a little easier to understand why we would be the light of the world, although my parents would say, turn the light off. Don't waste electricity. You've left that room, Louie. Turn that light off, son. I had a flashlight that I would play with in bed. I would do it all over the roof, the ceiling in my bedroom. Daddy'd come up there and say, did you find anything, son? I'm still looking, Daddy. He said, well, you might want to save that battery for later. You may need it. You know, uh, with the thunderstorms that we get in Florida, the power would go off at any time. We didn't have the power grid then that we have now. And it'll go off now just the same. Salt and light. This is in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. It's also in Luke 6, but it's really small in Luke 6. And this Sermon on the Mount covers many different topics and actually it was taught over many different days. And we're not exactly sure where the mount was, but it was a mountain that they felt that was on the west side of, of the Sea of Galilee near Capernaum. And because Jesus would often, we didn't have microphones back then, he would often get around the water where the water would carry. He would get on the mountainside and those would be around him and he would sit and teach. And he would teach these sayings, and this is just one little piece out of the Sermon on the Mount. And I picked it because it's a small piece. There's some other really good ones, and we'll, we'll work on those next. But this Sermon on the Mount was done after Jesus was baptized by John. It was done after uh, Jesus called his first disciples. And it was after Jesus had been tempted. So he had been through a lot. Before this, and this particular teaching about salt and light, it compares Christians and gives examples of how we are salt and light. And what I hope today to get is a teaching goal, is that you'll realize the salt and light that you have in you, the purposes for that, and then how you can use that in your life. I mean, every day. You can just reach right in your pocket, and you can pull it out. And you can think about it because it'll confront you before you know it or not. I read a wonderful commentary on this topic by a guy named Sam Storms, and I hope this will give you some ideas of how to be salt and light because that's what Jesus wants us to do. Matthew five, thirteen through 16. Here's what the Scripture says. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, 
How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except be thrown out and trampled underfoot. When salt would be spoiled, it would be thrown on the roofs in Palestine, and it would be trampled down. It was not salt that was usable. It was salt that was tainted. It was salt that was dirty. And it would lose its saltiness, so it would go on the roofs. And that's why I was saying, trampled underfoot. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people have a light and put it under a bowl. No, I wouldn't put that flashlight under a bowl. No way. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see the good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, salt was in great value in the ancient world. Often Roman soldiers, you may or may not know this, were paid in salt as wages. But our daily salt has really suffered some bad press. Dietitians urge us to cut down on it. Nutritionists warn us of its presence in processed foods. Like when you pull the can around, you look, see how much sodium is in it. It almost scares you. You don't want to eat it. Doctors tell us it raises our blood pressure. But why did Jesus refer to us as salt? Let me tell you, there's no doubt salt brings a good taste of food. In Job 6, 6, it says this. It's tasteless food eaten without salt. How many times have you eaten something and you said, I know I shouldn't put salt on this, but you do. And the reason is because salt makes things taste good. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. The salt you've got in a salt shaker, it doesn't do any good in the salt shaker. Job said, you eat something that's not good without salt. Jesus is wanting to give us a good taste to others about our relationship with him. We all see the sour pussies in life. We come in contact with them at our work. Hopefully not at our home, but sometimes. We, we see them everywhere we go. You go in the store, and it's the one that's complaining about the job that they're doing, that they're working. You see them at the gas pump. You see them at Wawa's. You see them everywhere. They're just unhappy. They just complain about everything. And that translates to getting a bad taste in our mouth for somebody. You, you've talked to somebody on the phone. Try to call the insurance company. Try to settle a claim. Try to get the blood test. Just try to get an appointment. And they'll leave a bad taste in your mouth. And your inclination is to send some bad taste back to them. It's like the schools, the high schools. I got a boy that's fixing to graduate Thursday. And we've been, hallelujah, he's the last one. <laughs> yeah, we've been going back and forth with the school because they didn't grade something right or they didn't do something right. So here at the last minute, we're scratching. 
You ever scratched it at the last minute? And had somebody just tell you that's the way it is. So what do you want to do? You want to give it back. Jesus is saying that you, me, we're the salt of the earth. We can't delegate that to somebody else. He's saying it to us. Our relationship with the Lord should be a good-tasting relationship. Gino was teaching today about the gold bowls that held our prayers. He said it's a sweet aroma. It's not supposed to be bitter. Our interactions with people aren't supposed to be bitter. We should not be like everyone else. We are to be the salt of the earth. We should share his love. We should share his, his hope. We should share his grace. So when somebody comes at you that's bitter, and they leave a bad taste in your mouth, put a little salt on them. Put a little salt on them. They'll taste better. That salt comes from way, way deep within. Salt gives things a good taste. But I also want you to know that salt was a fertilizer. Now, salt's a good taste. We're supposed to taste good to others. If we're Christians, we're supposed to taste good. And if they don't taste good, we're supposed to put some of God's love on them in salt. I want you to think about that. But it's also fertilizer. Salt, when used in small portions, it'd be spread on the ground to absorb water. That's what it does in us. That water would stay, and it would sink into the roots. It would fertilize. Jesus is making the comparison to us being fertilizer in the field, making the soil more receptive to the seed. Pastor Ramona talked about the seed and sower, the soil. And, and the seed is the Word of God. And the soil are those that are either us or those that are around us. Remember Luke 8 and the parable of the soils. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he scattered the seed, some fell on the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns, and which grew up and choked out the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil. And it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. If you've got the salt of the earth in you, and you can distribute that salt, not only does it taste good, and you can make other people taste good by the way you react to them and act to them, but you can fertilize them. You don't know how much you may end up with a little bit of your salt of the earth fertilizing somebody so that the next person that comes, you know, one waters, one plants, one. We don't know what step we've got in that, but we're an important step. When he says he should call it, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is saying in this parable, we should be fertile. We should be fertile. God wants us to be the one. Not only did it taste good, not only did it fertilize, but salt is also a preservative. I don't know if anybody here was here before refrigerators. I remember as a young boy growing up in Bunnell, they had an ice house. They had these big clamps 
And these big strong men, I was on a bicycle, so everybody looked strong to me. And they put this ice on a truck. They carry it off. Now, we had an electric refrigerator as far back as I can remember. Salt is a preservative. It stops things from decaying. Can you see our society now is in it? Is it decaying? Are our politics on either side, are they decaying? Our school system, is it decaying? Our social lives and society, is it decaying? Is it getting better? See, God wants us to preserve. He wants us to keep out rot. Remember the big hams that hung up? Big old ham that be wrapped with cloth. And when we would get them, Dad would bring them in the house, cut the cloth off, and then you had this salt around that ham. He would carefully shave off that outer salty layer that had preserved that meat. Now, I'm sure that meat wasn't good for you. But that salt preserved it, but it was good. So how can we stop the decay of the world? I mean, what do we do to do that? I mean, when things start going wrong, be salt. Stop the decay in conversations, in jokes. Stop the decay in things that people are saying. Well, he's just, or she's just, they're doing it because you can think and you could just categorize the division that we've got right now. It covers every political spectrum, every color, every race, everything. And it's easy to get drug into the same old, same old. God wants us to stop the decay. Stop the murmuring. Preserve the truth. Sprinkle a little salt on something that's starting to rot. Philippians 2, 14 and 15 says this, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you'll shine among them like the stars in the sky. And Jesus said when salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. Don't let your salt stagnate. God has more salt for you. you it's not going to run out. It's not like baby formula. The salt that God's got for you, all you have to do is ask. The prayers in those golden bowls from time of old for the future. Pray for some salt. His salt reserves are limitless. This text also talks about light. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do the people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify Father. Salt and light. Ephesians 5.8 says this, 
For you were once in darkness, but now you are the light in the world. We are the light of the world also. It's hard today to get into a place that's really dark. When we would cruise from Canaveral, we'd get these cheapo cruises that we could jump on a boat in Canaveral and go to Nassau. You go to Nassau first. You go to Coco Cay next. You come back. Everything's rushed. It's three days, but it's really two and a half days, but you get to go on a cruise, right? What we would do, and I would do with the children, is take them on the front of the boat the first night and hope that there wasn't a moon out and hope that it was clear. Because as you get further east out of Canaveral and those lights of the city fade away, we'd sit with a blanket. Oftentimes we'd take a cruise in the wintertime because it's, it's cheaper then. And we'd sit out on that front of that boat, wrapped up in a blanket. You could see the stars. Have you ever been in a country where you could see the stars? I went on a trip on the Appalachian Trail. I was there for many, many nights. And uh, once you got up on the trail and got away from the city, it was dark. There's more stars than you can ever imagine when you can see them. But yet, two miles away, popping up would be a red headlamp. Someone was coming to the shelter where we were to camp. The shelter's a, just a lean-to, and you, if you've ever been there, it's not much of a shelter, but it's got this cage on it in the front to keep the bears out. They're not going to mess with you. They'll just eat your food. And so there's this light and this total darkness, and you could see it way off a speck that got closer and closer. And before long, they'd have their headlight on, on a red light, not even a white one, and it lit up everything. That's just a small headlight. We're the light of the world, a town on a hill. I think about the light that came on a hill, Golgotha. Now think about the light that came on the hill of Golgotha. As Jesus hung there crucified, as it became dark, as the thunder came, as everyone was in horror, thinking that Jesus, the King of the Jews, who came to rescue the Jews, was being crucified. No, what he was doing was he was bringing light to the world. He was giving that light to us, a light that cannot be hidden. You can see a Christian when you walk in the room. You can tell when you're on the phone with someone if they're a Christian. You can tell their attitude, their mindset. You can see it in their face at times when they walk in. They are letting their light shine. They're not putting it under a bushel. Why would you do that? When we have the candlelight services here with the candles, and we just start with one, and it's dark in here, you get the next one, you get the, do it like this, you get the next one and the next one. We are the light of the world. John eight twelve says this, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness 
but will have the light of life. Through what Jesus has done for us, we've got the light of the world. During the storms, here in Florida, we got flashlights, headlights, candles. One small candle, we got them staged out during hurricane season. It's one of my hurricane season. Buy more water. Use up the old water. Check the batteries. Make sure my hurricane shutters are straight. Have the plan with the family. What are we going to do? Where would we meet if we get separated? We got that candle in the house. We'll practice with it, and it'll light up a whole room. You got to get your eyes adjusted to it. You got to get your eyes adjusted to the light that Jesus has for you. You'll never realize how much effect your light has on someone you touch. You'll never realize what impact you'll have with your light and your salt. And the text says in verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. How how can we put a light under a bowl as Christians? We can stand silent. We can just not say a word when a word needs to be said. When we don't confront, when something needs to be confronted. How can we put a light under a bowl when we don't show comfort when someone needs comforted? How can we put our light under a bowl? We don't forgive when someone needs to be forgiven. We don't reconcile when things need to be reconciled. We don't ask for forgiveness when we think and believe the lie that Satan has us under, that we've sinned and we're not worthy that we're not good, that we can't do it because we have. In verse 16, Jesus says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Yeah, it's not this little light of mine. Your light is eternal. It's a city on a hill that overcomes darkness shows a way. Your light illuminates a path. Salt and light, they make things taste better. No matter what the news may be or how you feel, salt makes it taste better. You fertilize the earth with your salt. You preserve the things of God with your salt. You use your light to dispel the darkness shine the path. One of my father's favorite scriptures is Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So where can you be more salt and light this week? I, I suspect before this week is over, before we come back together, that you're going to have a circumstance or a situation, and it might just in the back of your mind say, Pastor Louis said, salt. You, you may have to make some situation taste better. I hope you do. I hope you get that chance. You, you may have to fertilize a little something in somebody's life. I, I hope you get the chance to do that. You may preserve something. You may keep something from stinking. I hope you get that chance this week. You may dispel 
some darkness. I hope you get the chance this week to do that because God says he wants others to see your good works, not your works of salvation. Not by works should any man boast. But that you would have a chance this week to see it in somebody's life. Dear Lord, I thank you now. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who's the light of the world. I thank you in just three small verses you can show us, Father, how important we are as salt and light. And Father, I thank you today. I I ask that you give your saints an opportunity this week to sprinkle some salt, to shed some light, to not stand still when something needs to be said, that they be bold enough to turn on that light and dispel darkness. We thank you for that opportunity, God. Now, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, and you're wondering how do I give salt and life, I invite you today to ask Jesus Christ into your life. It's just that simple. It's just that easy. You just sit where you are and you say, yeah, I don't have this figured out. I haven't really given the Lord a chance, but I want to. God loved the world so much he gave his son that whoever believed, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, you're saved. I thank you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Let's give the Lord praise. He's worthy and worthy to be praised. Okay. So everybody up here on this stage wants you to know Jesus.